Chapter 5 of Tales of a Traveler by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. Chapter 5 Adventure of the Mysterious Picture. As one story of the kind produces another, and as all the company seemed fully engrossed by the topic, and disposed to bring their relatives and ancestors upon the scene, there is no knowing how many more ghost adventures we might have heard, had not a corpulent old fox hunter, who had slept soundly through the hole, now suddenly awakened, with a loud and long-drawn yawn. The sound broke the charm. The ghosts took to flight as though it had been cock-crowing, and there was a universal move for bed. "'And now for the haunted chamber,' said the Irish captain, taking his candle. "'Ay, who's to be the hero of the night?' said the gentleman with the ruined head. "'That we shall see in the morning,' said the old gentleman with the nose. "'Whoever looks pale and grisly will have seen the ghost.' "'Well, gentlemen,' said the baronet, "'there's many a true thing said in jest. "'In fact, one of you will sleep in a room to-night.' what a haunted room a haunted room i claim the adventure and i and i and i cried a dozen guests talking and laughing at the same time no no said mine host there's a secret about one of my rooms in which i feel disposed to try an experiment so gentlemen none of you shall know who has the haunted chamber until circumstances reveal it i will not even know it myself but will leave it to chance and the allotment of the housekeeper at the same time if it will be any satisfaction to you i will observe for the honour of my paternal mansion that there's scarcely a chamber in it but is well worthy of being haunted we now separated for the night and each went to his allotted room mine was in one wing of the building and i could not but smile at its resemblance in style to those eventful apartments described in the tales of the supper-table it was spacious and gloomy decorated with lamp-black portraits a bed of ancient damask with a tester sufficiently lofty to grace a couch of state and a number of massive pieces of old-fashioned furniture i drew a great claw-footed armchair before the wide fireplace stirred up the fire sat looking into it and musing upon the odd stories i had heard until partly overcome by the fatigue of the day's hunting and partly by the wine and wassail of mine host i fell asleep in my chair the uneasiness of my position made any slumber troubled and laid me at the mercy of all kinds of wild and fearful dreams now it was that my perfidious dinner and supper rose in rebellion against my peace i was hag-ridden by a fat saddle of mutton a plum pudding weighed like lead upon my conscience the very thought of a capon filled me with horrible suggestions, and a deviled leg of a turkey stalked in all kinds of diabolical shapes through my imagination. In short, I had a violent fit of the nightmare. Some strange and definite evil seemed hanging over me that I could not avert. Something terrible and loathsome oppressed me that I could not shake it off. I was conscious of being asleep and strove to rouse myself. But every effort redoubled the evil. 
until gasping struggling almost strangling i suddenly sprang bolt upright in my chair and awoke the light on the mantelpiece had burnt low and the wick was divided there was a great winding sheet made by the dripping wax on the side towards me the disordered taper emitted a broad flaring flame and threw a strong light on a painting over the fireplace which i had not hitherto observed it consisted merely of a head or rather a face that appeared to be staring full upon me and with an expression that was startling it was without a frame and at the first glance i could hardly persuade myself that it was not a real face thrusting itself out of the dark oaken panel i sat in my chair gazing at it and the more i gazed the more it disquieted me i had never before been affected in the same way by any painting the emotions it caused were strange and indefinite they were something like what i have heard ascribed to the eyes of the basilisk or like that mysterious influence in reptiles termed fascination i passed my hand over my eyes several times as if seeking instinctively to brush away this illusion in vain they instantly reverted to the picture and its chilling creeping influence over my flesh was redoubled i looked round the room on other pictures either to divert my attention or to see whether the same effect would be produced by them some of them were grim enough to produce the effect if the mere grimness of the painting produced it no such thing my eye passed over them all with perfect indifference but the moment it reverted to this visage over the fireplace it was as if an electric shock darted through me the other pictures were dim and faded but this one protruded from a plain background in the strongest relief and with wonderful truth of colouring the expression was that of agony the agony of intense bodily pain but a menace scowled upon the brow and a few sprinklings of blood added to its ghastliness yet it was not all these characteristics it was some horror of the mind some unscrutable antipathy awakened by this picture which harrowed up my feelings i tried to persuade myself that this was chimerical that my brain was confused by the fumes of mine host's good cheer and in some measure by the odd stories about paintings which had been told at supper i determined to shake off these vapours of the mind rose from my chair and walked about the room snapped my fingers rallied myself laughed aloud it was a forced laugh and the echo of it in the old chamber jarred upon my ear i walked to the window tried to discern the landscape through the glass it was pitch darkness and howling storm without and as i heard the wind moan among the trees i caught a reflection of this accursed visage in the pane of glass as though it were staring through the window at me even the reflection of it was thrilling how was this vile nervous fit for such i now persuaded myself it was to be conquered i determined to force myself not to look at the painting but to undress quickly and get into bed i began to undress but in spite of every effort i could not keep myself from stealing a glance every now and then at the picture and a glance was now sufficient to distress me even when my back was turned to it the idea of the strange face behind me 
peering over my shoulder was insufferable i threw off my clothes and hurried into bed but still this visage gazed upon me i had a full view of it from my bed and for some time could not take my eyes from it i had grown nervous to a dismal degree i put out the light and tried to force myself to sleep all in vain the fire gleaming up a little through an uncertain light about the room leaving however the region of the picture in deep shadow what thought i if this be the chamber about which mine host spoke as having a mystery reigning over it i had taken his words merely as spoken in jest might they have a real import i looked around the faintly lighted apartment had all the qualifications requisite for a haunted chamber it began in my infected imagination to assume strange appearances the old portraits turned paler and paler and blacker and blacker the streaks of light and shadow thrown among the quaint old articles of furniture gave them singular shapes and characters there was a huge dark clothes-press of antique form gorgeous in brass and lustrous with wax that began to grow oppressive to me and then i thought indeed the hero of the haunted room is there really a spell laid upon me or is this all some contrivance of mine host to raise a laugh at my expense the idea of being hag-ridden by my own fancy all night and then bantered on my haggard looks the next day was intolerable but the very idea was sufficient to produce the effect and to render me still more nervous pish said i it can be no such thing how could my worthy host imagine that i or any man would be so worried by a mere picture it is my own diseased imagination that torments me i turned in my bed and shifted from side to side to try to fall asleep but all in vain when one cannot get asleep by lying quiet it is seldom that tossing about will effect the purpose the fire gradually went out and left the room in darkness still i had the idea of this inexplicable countenance gazing and keeping watch upon me through the darkness nay what was worse the very darkness seemed to give it additional power and to multiply its terrors it was like having an unseen enemy hovering about one in the night instead of having one picture now to worry me i had a hundred i fancied it in every direction and there it is thought i and there and there with its horrible and mysterious expression still gazing and gazing on me no i must suffer this strange and dismal influence it were better face a single foe than thus be haunted by a thousand images of it whoever has been in such a state of nervous agitation must know that the longer it continues the more uncontrollable it grows the very air of the chamber seemed at length infected by the baleful presence of the picture i fancied it hovering over me i almost felt the fearful visage from the wall approaching my face it seemed breathing upon me this is not to be borne said i at length springing out of bed i can stand this no longer i shall only tumble and toss about here all night make a very spectre of myself and become the hero of the haunted chamber in good earnest whatever be the consequence i'll quit this cursed room and seek a night's rest elsewhere they can but laugh at me at all events and they'll be sure to have the laugh upon me 
if i pass a sleepless night and show them a haggard and woe-begone visage in the morning all this was half muttered to myself as i hastily slipped on my clothes which having done i groped my way out of the room and downstairs to the drawing-room here after tumbling over two or three pieces of furniture i made out to reach a sofa and searching myself upon it determined to bivouac there for the night the moment i found myself out of the neighbourhood of that strange picture it seemed as if the charm were broken all its influence was at an end i felt assured that it was confined to its own dreary chamber for i had with a sort of instinctive caution turned the key when i closed the door i soon calmed down therefore into a state of tranquillity from that into a drowsiness and finally into a deep sleep out of which i did not awake until the housemaid with her besom and her matin song came to put the room in order she stared at finding me stretched upon the sofa but i presume circumstances of the kind were not uncommon after hunting dinners in her master's bachelor establishment for she went on with her song and her work and took no farther heed of me i had an unconquerable repugnance to return to my chamber so i found my way to the butler's quarters made my toilet in the best way circumstances would permit and was among the first to appear at the breakfast table our breakfast was a substantial fox-hunter's repast and the company were generally assembled at it when ample justice had been done to the tea coffee cold meats and humming ale for all those were furnished in abundance according to the tastes of the different guests the conversation began to break out with all the liveliness and freshness of morning mirth but who is the hero of the haunted chamber who has seen the ghost last night said the inquisitive gentleman rolling his lobster eyes about the table the question set every tongue in motion a vast deal of bantering criticising of countenances of mutual accusation and retort took place some had drunk deep and some were unshaven so they were suspicious faces enough in the assembly i alone could not enter with ease and vivacity into the joke i felt tongue-tied embarrassed a recollection of what i had seen and felt the preceding night still haunted my mind it seemed as if the mysterious picture still held a thrall upon me i thought also that our host's eye was turned on me with an air of curiosity in short i was conscious that i was the hero of the night and felt as if every one might read it in my looks the jokes however passed over and no suspicion seemed to attach to me i was just congratulating myself on my escape when a servant came in saying that the gentleman who had slept on the sofa in the living-room had left his watch under one of the pillows my repeater was in his hand what said the inquisitive gentleman did any gentleman sleep on the sofa so ho so ho a hare a hare cried the old gentleman with the flexible nose i could not avoid acknowledging the watch and was rising in great confusion when a boisterous old squire who sat beside me exclaimed slapping me on the shoulder s'blood lad thou art the man as seen the ghost the attention of the company was immediately turned to me if my face had been pale the moment before it now glowed almost to burning i tried to laugh but could make only a grimace and found all the muscles of my face 
twitching at sixes and sevens, and totally out of all control. It takes but little to raise a laugh among a set of fox hunters. There was a world of merriment and joking at my expense, and as I never relished a joke over much when it was at my own expense, I began to feel a little nettled. I tried to look cool and calm and to restrain my pique, but the coolness and calmness of a man in a passion are confounded treacherous. Gentlemen, said I, the slight cocking of the chin and a bad attempt at a smile, this is all very pleasant, <laughs> very pleasant, but to have you know I am as little superstitious as any of you, <laughs> and as to anything like timidity, you may smile, gentlemen, but I trust there is no one here means to insinuate that. As to a room's being haunted, I repeat, gentlemen, growing a little warm at seeing a cursed grin breaking out round me. As to a room's being haunted, I have as little faith in such silly stories as any one. But since you put the matter home to me, I will say that I have met with something in my room strange and inexplicable to me. A shout of laughter. Gentlemen, I am serious. I know well what I am saying. I am calm, gentlemen. Striking my flat upon the table. By heaven, I am calm. I am neither trifling, nor do I wish to be trifled with. The laughter of the company suppressed with ludicrous attempts gravity. There is a picture in the room which I was put last night that has had an effect upon me the most singular and incomprehensible. A picture? said the old gentleman with the haunted head. A picture? cried the narrator with the waggish nose. A picture, a picture, echoed several voices. Here there was an ungovernable peal of laughter. I could not contain myself. I started up from my seat, looked round on the company with fiery indignation, thrust both my hands into my pockets, and strode up to one of the windows, as though I would have walked through it. I stopped short, looked out upon the landscape without distinguishing a feature of it, and felt my gorge rising almost to suffocation. My host saw it was time to interfere. He had maintained an air of gravity through the whole of the scene, and now stepped forth as if to shelter me from the overwhelming merriment of my companions. Gentlemen, said he, I dislike to spoil sport, but you have had your laugh, and the joke of the haunted chamber has been enjoyed. I must now take the part of my guest. I must not only vindicate him from your pleasantries, but I must reconcile him to himself, for I suspect he is a little out of humor with his own feelings, and above all, I must crave his pardon for having made him the subject of a kind of experiment. Yes, gentlemen, there is something strange and peculiar in the chamber to which our friend was shown last night. There is a picture which possesses a singular and mysterious influence, and with which there is connected a very curious story. It is a picture to which I attach a value from a variety of circumstances, and though I have often been tempted to destroy it from the odd and uncomfortable sensations it produces in every one that beholds it, yet I have never been able to prevail upon myself to make the sacrifice. It is a picture I never liked to look upon myself, and which is held in awe by all my servants. I have therefore banished it to a room, but rarely used, and should have had it covered last night, had not the nature of our conversation and the whimsical talk about a haunted chamber tempted me to let it remain, by way of experiment, whether a stranger, totally unacquainted with its story, 
would be affected by it the words of the baronet had turned every thought into a different channel all were anxious to hear the story of the mysterious picture and for myself so strongly were my feelings interested that i forgot to feel piqued at the experiment which my host had made upon my nerves and joined eagerly in the general entreaty as the morning was stormy and precluded all egress my host was glad of any means of entertaining his company so drawing his armchair beside the fire he began end of chapter five recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida